Ladies and gentlemen, this is This is The Real Mission Impossible Show With your host, Lucien Jay Are you ready? We search the globe for the most amazing people who have overcome incredible obstacles Demonstrated amazing resilience, done the impossible I said, are you ready? Join, Join the real coach and Jay on the Real Mission Impossible show. Meeting legends from Dubai, South Africa, Nairobi, New York, London, wherever they are to make it possible for the Real Impossible with Coach MJ. The Real Mission Impossible show starts in... Let's count down together! 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Boom! Hi everyone, this is Coach MJ. Welcome back to another episode of Mission Impossible. We're going tonight all the way to Nairobi, Kenya to meet Diana Kamande, HSE. That's a head of state commendation for a woman who, can, who has received the highest honor from the president of her country. And she's done that because not only is she a survivor, but she has learned how to take those scars and turn them into stars. Diana, first of all, welcome. Thank you so much for coming on the Mission I'm Possible show. Thank you so much. Thank you for the warm welcome. Yeah, well, we're very pleased to have you. Um, I had, had the opportunity to meet Diana before on one or two other forums and platforms. So what I know about her story, I think, basically would be an entire movie. And so for the sake of this episode, we're going to break it down so that at least you can get a little idea of what her heroism this woman has displayed and how she has held a torch for other women around her country around Africa and around the world. As you may know, in Africa, they have still have things called gender mutilation. When they do this to women, of course, without uh, having good laws to protect, uh, there's no way to stop it. Diana is one of those people who lobbies against that. There's also a stigma in certain parts of Africa where if a woman's husband died and she becomes a widow, that's not a good thing. She becomes the property of the village. And she can be used like a doormat, sexually and any other way to be exploited. Not only that, but spit upon by her in-laws to the point where any property that her husband had is not, no longer hers, and she's left out to be a beggar, a prostitute, or even worse. So Diana came home one night. She had a golden marriage. Everything was going fine. And she woke up and she felt something warm on her face in her bed, only to realize that what had happened was that she had been the victim of a knife attack by an intruder. And this intruder had used his knife to sabotage her body, not once, not twice, but over 20 times in her face, in her breasts, throughout her body, and lacerated her to the point to where any other human being would be left for dead. Somehow, Diana managed to emerge and realize that that intruder was in fact her deranged husband, who later in the same evening took his own life. And her relatives were able to get her to the hospital and with a lot of reconstructive surgery and faith in God, she was able to recover with a mission. And Diana's mission became the women of the widows. Because as a widow, she could be, and any other woman in Kenya could be, used like a door handle. They could, anything could happen to them. And so Diana is here tonight because not only is she an award-winning, recognized humanitarian in Africa, 
but she's also someone I deeply honor and respect. And I'd just like to say, Diana, tell, give us a little idea. Tell us a little bit about the widows and the work that you're doing today and getting the laws changed so that this doesn't happen to other women. Thank you so much, Coach MJ, uh, for having me. In Kenya, I realized that widows lose their rights immediately. They lose their spouses, myself being one of them. So that's how I decided, let me start something. And this is how I started Come Together Widows and Orphans Organization. It is a platform where widows are able to articulate themselves and they are able to get uh, or to regain their lost rights because we are able to push all their cases to court for justice. And through, through the organization, I decided to push for a bill. And this bill, which is uh, already uh, with our government, is going to look into issues that have been affecting widows, like being told they have killed their spouses, being denied and disinherited their property. So this is the work that we are doing because women must get their rights. Whether their spouses are alive or not, it is not worth any woman to lose her right, her property or her dignity, as the former UN General Secretary said, because they have lost their spouses. We do this every time. We empower widows. First of all, we empower them with knowledge because you find most of them, especially the ones who are in the interior parts of Kenya, most of them never managed to go to school. So it is our responsibility as an organization to educate them on their right. It is our responsibility as an organization to ensure they're inspired to move on with life as widows and they should know they must be respected. They should demand for their respect whenever they are not respected. Then we also ensure they're economically empowered. Anytime you don't have money to support you, you don't have a business, you don't have job if you're employed, if you don't have any place that you can go to for work, then people are going to belittle you. So we realize these are the areas that are making widows not to be respected. So we ensure that we take care of them, even uh, especially in terms of economic empowerment, in partnership with our government and well-wishers. I'm uh, so impressed with your work. I, I see continually uh, you doing outdoor events uh, where you're giving speeches to hundreds of women wearing a mask. I commented on that before in an outdoor environment. So uh, hats off to you for safety first. Uh, Diana, could you just help our listeners understand because in the United States of America, if, if a woman loses her husband, I think, I believe that it's a natural tendency for people in this country, her neighbors, family, to feel sorry for her and to want to support her, to bring her food, to see if there's anything they can do, to ask her you know, where, what she's going to do, how she's going to go forward. There are insurance companies that will give cash out the, the husband's life insurance to give her money and support. So it is counterintuitive to think that when a husband dies in Kenya, the woman is now becomes the property of a village. Could you explain that a little bit? Yeah, I really envy what the U.S. and other Western countries are doing to their widows. I have uh, seen how they are treated like queens when they lose their husbands. But in Kenya and in other African countries, the woman becomes like trash or rather like the trash can where everybody throws their trash inside. This woman 
is treated like somebody who is meaningless to the society. The moment a woman is widowed, the first thing that the society and the in-laws think about is the property left behind. Nobody thinks about this grieving woman. Nobody thinks about the grieving children. The society at large, including even some churches, they want to see the woman down on earth again. They want to see this woman go down again. The reason being, nobody ever thinks that this woman can rise up again or can be able to take care of this property that was left behind. So if you want to be left with property, then you have to agree either to be inherited. And widow inheritance is a culture that is very retrogressive. It means any man can be identified by the family of the late spouse to come and start living with you and cleanse you. And cleansing here means you are going to have unprotected sex with this very unfamiliar person or maybe somebody from the family that they are going to choose for you. So this happens and then all of a sudden you become a wife again. You become a wife to somebody you never loved somebody you never dated again, and you're still grieving, you're still hurting. And this person has a right even to come and give orders in that house. You continue the generation of the late husband by giving birth with this other person to more children. And the funny thing, MJ, about this inheritor, the widow inheritor never eats vegetables. The widow inheritor eats fish, eats chicken, and meat. They never eat vegetables. And it is the responsibility of the widow to go out and fetch for fish, fetch for meat, fetch for chicken, because the inheritor is a highly regarded man who is removing the bad omen. There are some communities that believe death is bad omen. So the inheritor is always coming to cleanse you through sex to remove the bad omen, meaning nobody else will die in that family. But because death is inevitable, still people continue to die despite having widow inheritors. I'm unable to speak. To hear this is just uh, gobsmacked. I, the people in the country, this is a tradition you're saying, the widow herself is now lower than whale, whatever. The savior, or what we would, we would put this guy in prison in America, but this person comes in, he says, move over. Uh, okay, I've decided to take the house. You get naked. Oh, but go get me some fish and meat first and uh, change the linen on that couch, clean the dishes, and uh, go give the kids a bath, turn on the TV for me, and light my pipe. So he's like somehow this invader king who now takes over the kingdom and he's doing you a favor and he's doing everybody a favor and he's regarded. When he walks into the town, he's looked up to the, oh yeah, here's one of our saviors here. Yeah, he's highly regarded because they believe, as you said, uh, in quotes, he is the savior of the widow and savior of that or, uh, community or rather the clan not to have more debt. But they believe in it, but it doesn't work. And actually in some community, you find, you will not be told that you're going to be inherited. There is always a sign. One of the places we visited last, a widow told us for her, she's supposed to be inherited. They remove one of the iron sheets from the roof. They remove the old one and replace it with a new one. That is a sign to show you that the inheritor is coming to your house. 
So even there, yeah, there is no communication, there is no preparation. As much as it is bad culture, you don't know what is going to happen. You are told this is a sign. Like when you see it is going to rain, it becomes cloudy. Then the moment you find a new iron sheet on your roof and you're a widow, get to know. And in that community, it happens exactly four days after burying your husband. The fourth day after burying your husband, you find a new iron sheet. Then you get to know that evening you have a visitor and this visitor will not leave your house. He's coming to inherit you and he can decide to stay there forever. And the inheritors do not have the number of widows they can inherit. They can inherit as many widows as they want. So this one increases even a very high chance of sexual transmitted diseases. Oh my goodness. I'm, I'm so sorry to hear this. And I'm sure my listeners are absolutely stunned by what you're saying. So in, in other words, this invader, this person that they are revering in your culture, you say he can have more than one widow. So if he has three or four widows, he can become wealthy being a widow herder. Yeah, this, this one now is uh, recognized by the community actually where the inheritors visit. They are highly regarded. They are treated like kings because they do a very, very noble job, noble in quotes, depending with those communities. And the inheritor has a right even to come and start wearing the clothes of the late spouse. So my husband's, my late husband's clothes can be worn by this inheritor. And this inheritor comes and takes over, but it still remains the responsibility of the widow. And this is why I call it widow abuse. It remains the responsibility of the widow even to continue educating her own children with this inheritor present in the home, whereas, you know, men are always able to go out there and work. This inheritor will not work. It is the responsibility of the widow to take care of the children, take them to school when they are sick, take them to hospital, come back with fish, meat, or chicken for this man who just sits there, sleeps on the couch, and watches football as the widow is outside there toiling to make ends meet. I don't think there's a person listening to this right now that's just not really angry at hearing the injustice of this. So tell us, Diana, this is unacceptable. We know it's unacceptable for us to hear. You had to live through that. You had to have that burn in your soul. What, what are you, tell us a little bit about what's going on now. What are the next steps? What are the inroads you've made so far to get laws changed? to raise voices, to raise awareness? The first step was to set up a platform, which was starting an organization, Come Together Widows and Orphans Organization. Two was reaching out to people and stakeholders who matter. Number one, the key stakeholder who has helped us more than every other person has been media. Because you have to speak and somebody has to come and help you raise a higher voice. So we, we, we got media on board and media has really, really been, been the greatest stakeholder in helping the word, the word go out. I get these cases of widows and put them outside there to the limelight. The widows who agree to say what has happened to them so that it doesn't look like I'm trying to paint a different picture. So the government heard about this. And the government said, hey, come and we sit down and we see how we can uh, work together. So we managed to partner with government and government realized it was a very noble work. And there were a lot of hidden violence happening to widows in the name of culture. And this one did not leave the children of widows behind. 
this abuse when it happens to widows, it also affects their children. So the government said, what do you want us to do? I told them I have drafted something. Uh, this draft looks like a bill to me, but you can help me make it better. So government came on board and it helped me better. The group of, of attorneys fully sponsored by our government. And uh, currently we have a proposed widow's policy and widow's legislation at the Ministry of Gender. And we are waiting it to come from that level to parliament. Congratulations, uh, hats off to you, Diana, for that. Could we get an idea, because when we were listening to you and being totally astonished by this inheritor guy, the boogeyman is what we would call him here. The boogeyman shows up in your house and where's your husband's clothes? Sorry, I'm just, I can't, I can't take it, it's too much. And then how many, how many women could this be affecting, right, be affected by this right now? This this tribal tradition of being inherited, how many could be affected by this? Kenya has got over 4.2 million widows. Our organization is working closely with around 1.4 million widows. And among the 1.4 million widows, the ones that we have been able to, to interact with very closely, they have been going through this and we have managed to assist them, especially through taking them to court because we have a legal advisor in our office. These, the numbers were over 100,000 since we started, seven years down the line, like 10% of the widows that we are dealing with, they have been disinherited their properties. They have been through these uh, harmful cultural traditional practices like widow inheritance through widow, uh, through, uh, widow cleansing through sex and other harmful cultural practices. Whereas the, the latest case actually was where an inheritor even impregnated the daughter of a widow whose father was dead. So we have been able to take that matter to court and the guy is already behind bars. So this is what we do. And this is, we don't leave any table unturned. And any time we get to know of an issue affecting a widow, even if this widow is not in our organization as a member, we write to the court so that we can watch briefly. So we have become like a widow's watchdog, like a commission watching briefly for widows on what is happening. Because if you are dealing with women who are not, who are not literate, then, if you yourself, at least you have been literate, then you become their voice. And this is what I opted to become. And the very great partners we are working with, uh, even from Kenya School of Law, are the lawyers, the attorneys, and the, those who are willing to give their pro bono services to our organization. We are looking forward to starting legal clinics every Wednesday in our office, where we will be having 50 attorneys coming to help handle two widows every day so that at least we can reduce the cases in court. Yes, and of course, listeners will say, well, hey, all they need to do is just, you know, get the widows to go online and they can fill up in that. Well, there's there's no online. Uh, these widows are in remote villages. They're not, they can't read or write. They may have never mm -hmm. seen a computer. And so you have to have these, these lawyers to be like missionaries for the widows to go out there and preach them their rights and to give them a road in. You've, you've saved 100,000 so far. You say 10% out of 1.4 million widows that have been impacted by this. You have a long way to go, but you've been recognized by people within the United Nations. I know in your country, other countries in Africa, you've also awakened, Diana, 
Could you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, we've been able to awaken our greatest partner in East Africa has been Tanzania, where we were able to partner with one lady and we started Tanzania Widows Association. And the cultural and harmful cultural practices are the same. So as uh, you introduced by saying it happens in Africa, it happens in Africa because people are still so much glued to culture. Malawi is worse because Malawi, we have child widows. Nigeria, we have child widows because in Kenya, at least, we have uh, graduated from marrying off our young girls. Nowadays, the, you cannot marry off a girl below 18 years in Kenya. But now in Nigeria and Malawi, we have experienced a lot of child widows. These children get married at the age of 14, 15, 16, and then the husband dies when she is either the same age of between 15 and 17 years and maybe left pregnant. So you find this is a child who is still carrying a child in her womb and going through harmful cultural traditional practices and they don't know what to do with themselves. So we, we have been able to start Malawi Widows Association. In Nigeria, we also have a Widows of Nigeria Association and it is a really a wake-up call to our African widows. It's a wake-up call to humanity. This is this is uh, un unthinkable, and, and there's no way that anyone that I know of would ever allow this to go on happening on their watch. But we didn't know about this, Diana. Here's the thing. You, you brought this to light. Nobody I've ever met had ever heard. If somebody told me this story, I would have, are you kidding me? I mean, that sounds like really a bad horror movie. But that's what you lived. You lived it first because you were nearly, sorry to say, you were nearly murdered in your bed. In fact, the doctors thought you, you would not make it. You fought back because they might have thought that they stomped you into the ground, but they didn't know that Diana Kamande, child of God, angel, is a seed, a seed of hope for all these women all across her country, all across Africa. I certainly would nominate you for, for a Nobel Peace Prize. I think you're awesome. And I thank you for coming on our show today and putting a little bit of light on this tragedy that we had no idea why we're out and about doing our job complaining about this and that in our life we have no idea this is going on and there's people like you who are holding the candle holding the torch fighting the fight for people that really matter who have no chance to defend themselves diana how can people get in touch with you after hearing you on the show today they can get uh, in touch with me through uh, my whatsapp number it's plus two five four seven two four five seven eight zero three four plus 254-724-578-034. Uh, they can also write an email to info at c-o-m-e-t-o-g-e-w-o-o.org. Info at cometogaywar.org. There is a website www.cometogaywar.org www.cometogaywar.org Okay, we'll have the team put that up on the screen when this episode goes out. Um, I just want to say on behalf of this, you know, we've had the pleasure of having so many people from various backgrounds on our show. We've People who've climbed all the mountains of the world, who've won gold medals, who fought in battles and been decorated heroes. But you not only survived a murderous attack 
but then you were re-attacked again by the traditions of a society that you had no voice in and no vote in and how you managed to extract yourself, how, what strength you had to get yourself out of that and turn around and be the Joan of Arc for the women in your country. I salute you, Diana Commande. You've made this mission possible because you are possible. And thank you for giving possibilities for all these other women all around Africa because of your work. Thank you and God bless. Thank you so much. God bless you too. I'm so glad that you're having me again. Thank you for joining The Real Mission. We welcome you to explore the next Real Mission on Possible with Coach MJ. Meet ordinary people who have achieved the extraordinary. Like, share, and comment to inspire others today.